Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. God, good morning. God is with you this morning. Do you recognize that? And God is for you, even if it doesn't feel like it, right? Because let's be honest, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't feel like he's, he's with us. I hear that God is for me, that his favor shines upon me, that he's pursuing me with his goodness. And you know what I think? I think that means I'm going to be comfortable. And that's not what it means. The pursuit of God's goodness doesn't lead to our comfort. Eventually it does. Eventually it leads to our, our soul comfort, our comfort in his presence. But I think, it, I think it leads to places of comfort out here, and it doesn't all the time. In fact, our God is a God who goes to uncomfortable places, and he leads us there too. And that's where we're going this morning. We're going uncomfortable places. We're continuing in our series in John this morning, John chapter 4. You can turn there in your Bibles or in your devices We're going to be looking at the woman at the well, at Jesus' encounter with her, which is a very familiar encounter with some of us, and I think we need fresh eyes again to see it as uncomfortable, because Jesus meets her in this uncomfortable place, just like he meets us in our uncomfortable places. So let me just pray uh, as we go into God's word together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are, God. As, as we've already sung and already prayed this morning, Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice, that you poured out your life for us, and we thank you for the chance to gather together as brothers and sisters and remind each other of that and, and, and worship you for that. And Lord, I, I thank you that you rose again so that, um, to, to, to prove to us that there is new life, that you have defeated death. And so God, I ask that you would... Um, I ask that you would lead us in new life this morning, even as we look at your word. God, I ask that this would be moments of worship too, that we would come before you and lay all of ourselves before you and allow you to speak to us through your word and res- that we would respond in kind, that you would set us in awe again of all that you are doing and of all that you tell us in your word so that we might live aware of your presence and aware of your transforming work in our lives. God, I thank you that your kingdom is coming and has already come. And I thank you that you're growing this kingdom and that you invite us to be part of it. God, I thank you even that you send us out to invite others. God, use your word to send us out this morning. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So we are going to start in John chapter 4 and verse 1 says this. There we go. (laughs) All right. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. So if if you were with us last week, uh, 
Matt Von Stein was with us. He preached an incredible message in, at the end of John chapter 3, and it was this scene where John's, John the Baptist's disciples realized that Jesus is getting more followers than John is. And his disciples come to him and say, John, what do you think about this? Is this a problem? And John said, able to say, no, this isn't a problem. This is the point. The point is to follow him, not me. So this is a good thing. And now we pick right up, and now it's not John's disciples who are noticing that Jesus is getting more and more popular. Now it's the Pharisees. And Jesus sees this, and there's a confrontation coming with the Pharisees, but I think Jesus might recognize that the time is not yet for that. And so he heads out to a new area. But the the important thing for our passage this morning is not where he's coming from, but where he's going to. It says that now Jesus had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside his well, sitting beside the well. And it was about the sixth Hour. So this is the sixth hour from sunrise. So this is about noon in the Middle East. So it's where we're heading into the hottest part of the day. And it says a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And if you're familiar with this passage, you might know that it's not unusual. The unusual thing about this is not that a woman is coming to draw water. Back in that culture, back in that day, this is what women did. They picked up their buckets, their pails, whatever, and they went to the wells and they got water for their households and they went back. What's unusual is when she's doing it. Most of the women, they come in the morning. They come when it's cool. They come when this work isn't going to be as hard and she's here at noon in the hot part of the day. And what that tells us is that she's an outsider in her own community. That there's some way that she is more comfortable coming here alone than with others that she isn't welcome in the morning with the other woman, or at least she doesn't, isn't comfortable coming with the other women. So she's more comfortable coming alone, but Jesus isn't going to leave her comfortable. Jesus said to her, give me a, a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And so for us, it's not a big deal to see Jesus ask for a drink. For that woman, it's a huge deal that she asks for a drink, that she even speaks to him. Because what John reminds us here is that Jews don't associate with Samaritans. There's this extreme and intense racial and religious prejudice going on between these two groups of people. And Jews hate Samaritans. You know how bad they hated Samaritans? In fact, there there were Jews who would stand in the temple and pray, God, do not hear their prayers. They would pray, God, do not forgive those Samaritans because they hated this people. Because the Samaritans lived in a place, and this is from centuries before, they they lived in a place where that had split off from the southern kingdom of Israel centuries before, and they built their own capital called Samaria, and they built their own temple there even though they shouldn't have, and they told their people, come worship at this temple, not at the real one. And so, and then later on, a, a, an invading empire overcame that northern kingdom and they, they shipped out, everybody who was anybody got shipped out hundreds of miles away and they brought in all these foreign people that they had captured. And that, that empire deposited them all here. And so then over the centuries, not only was their religion already 
mispractice. Not, not only was their religion already not the real Judaism, but then they incorporated all these other religions of these people and they started to intermarry with them. And so to a devout Jew in Jesus' day and age, they said, here are people who look different than us, who act different than us, who think different than us, who worship different than us. And they said, we don't want anything to do with them. And in fact, they're not just different than us, they're wrong. They're not just different than us, they're the problem. And they saw these people as, as, as racially half-breeds and as religious sellouts. And they said, so these people aren't just different from us, they're the problem. Do we see that today? That, do you hear this today? That other people, they're not just different, they're the problem. You look on social media and you hear again and again that it's the other people that are the problem. It's the, it's the people wearing masks or it's the people not wearing masks or it's the vaxxers or it's the anti-vaxxers or it's the liberals or it's the conservatives or it's the BLMers or it's the police. It's whoever it is, the other people, the others are the problem. And Jesus comes into this place that other people saw as the problem, and he comes to seek someone out. He goes into this uncomfortable place to seek someone out. And I, I wonder, do we? Because do you know Jesus goes into the uncomfortable places, and he invites us to go with him? He's going to say to his disciples, we're not even going to have time to get to the verses later on in this passage. He's going to say to his disciples, listen, there's a harvest here. God's at work here. There's a harvest for the kingdom right here. And his disciples would have missed it if they didn't follow Jesus into uncomfortable places. Because Samaria, see, see, we look at other people that are different than us and we might think, well, yeah, yeah, I see all the hate that's being spewed on social media, but that's not me. I'm not spewing hate. I'm not racist. I'm not prejudiced. But listen, are, are we actually going in and building relationships with people that are different than us? That's the real question because maybe all Jews didn't hate Samaritans, but you know what they did to Samaria? They went around. They went around. See, the easiest way if you leave the south and go to the north, the quickest way, the simplest way was to go straight north through Samaria. But most Jews didn't go that way. They went around. It's kind of like if you remember, Pastor Jeff will talk about beltways, right? You, you travel down to Baltimore and you've got a beltway. And do you know why they built beltways, he says? It's not because it's quick, because you're taking the long way around. They built beltways so we didn't have to go through uncomfortable places. Through places uh, of those who are different than us. And here's the thing we've got to ask ourselves. We may not be spewing hate, but are we building relationship with those that are different than us? Because God came to everyone and if we're not careful, we, we uh, allow this elitism into our lives where we, we're, we're in a culture that would box us separately and we end up in relationship with all these people who are pretty much just like us, who pretty much just look like we do and think like we do and have the same backgrounds like we do. And everybody else is just the others. And it stays that way because it's uncomfortable sometimes to go into those places of people that are different than us. But, and so everybody, all the Jews, they take the bypass, right? They jump on the bypass and go around Samaria until Jesus comes along and he had to go through Samaria. And he didn't have to go because there was no other option because he could have taken the bypass. He had to go because there was a purpose for the kingdom here. 
And Jesus would take us into uncomfortable places, places we would rather not go perhaps because God is already at work in them. Do we want to be people who want to go into uncomfortable places, who are willing to follow Jesus into places that are uncomfortable because God is already at work there? I want to be a person who does that. Do you? So how do we get there? How how do I become a person who is willing to follow Jesus into uncomfortable places? You know what's incredible? This woman is going to become a person who's willing to go into uncomfortable places. And so here's how Jesus is going to get her there. He's going to say this. He says, if, if you knew, lady, if you knew, you would be asking me for water. If you only knew, you would be getting uncomfortable to get to me. If you only knew what? He says, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to if you only knew two things. So if you, if you underline in your Bible, you can underline this verse because this sets the course of the rest of their conversation. He says, if you only knew two things, the gift of God, and he's going to go there first, and who it is that is speaking to you, and he's going to go there in the second part of their conversation. And so first he goes, do you know the gift of God? And here's what he says about the gift of God. It's living water. Verse 11 says, there we go. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He, he gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. This is what we've always done. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And so Jesus lays out the gift here for the woman. And do you know what? It's an uncomfortable gift. We don't think about gifts being uncomfortable sometimes, but they're uncomfortable, right? Did you ever get a gift that made you uncomfortable? I was in a drive-through. This was near the holidays. I was in a drive-through with my family, and we're going through Chick-fil-A, going to get our you know, holiday milkshakes or whatever. And I get up there, and I got my wallet and my credit card out, and she says, oh, no, your order's already been paid for. Uh, oh, but I was, ready to, I was ready to buy it. I was ready to pay for it. I have what I need. And she said, no, it's, it's already been paid for. And, and isn't there a discomfort? If that's ever happened to you, isn't there a discomfort that it happens? Because the first thing you do is you look ahead. Oh, that person, I don't even know them. They're a stranger. And yet they did this for me. And I, I got to get up there and try to thank them or I got to do something back for them. And yet we, we can't and it's uncomfortable. And here's, here's Jesus stepping into this woman's life and it's uncomfortable because he's this stranger and he says, listen, I have what you need. And she says, no, 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 no. I, I, I know about water. I know all about water. See, I've been, I've been coming here my whole life and before that, my family came and before that, our father Jacob, remember him? He came, he had to draw water from here. Everybody's had to draw water from here and so this is where I, I keep coming because that's the only place to find it and, and the only place to get it is this, this well and, and all of us, everyone I know, we have to keep coming here day after day after day. I gotta pick up my bales and, my, my bales and come here. And I know it's never enough. I know it's never going to satisfy. And I know I got to keep coming back tomorrow because I, I know that my own strength won't get me enough to satisfy me, but I keep coming back because this is the only way to do life. There's no other way. And Jesus gets real uncomfortable and says, no, there's another way. There's another water. 
And I wonder how many of us have allowed Jesus to to put us in that uncomfortable place. How many of us are willing, uh, we just go about our lives, go about the day after day, even if we say we follow God, we go about our day after day just going after the same old things thinking we're gonna find satisfaction in the next job or the next paycheck or the next relationship or the next person. And and, and, And we go after what's right in front of us because there's no other way to do life. What else is there? And Jesus says, no, God is spirit. There's more going on here that you're not aware of. God is spirit. And he has a spiritual answer that you didn't even know you need. He has a spiritual gift for you that you didn't even know you needed. And it's living water. It's the source of the true life you were, you were made for. It's relationship with the living God. What Jesus is going to tell us later in John is this living water, this spring, is actually the spirit of God coming to live with us. This is what he says in John chapter 7. Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What is he talking about? Now this he said about the spirit. The spirit of the living God. This is the gift that Jesus is talking about. And it's a gift you can't buy. It's a gift you can't earn. It's a gift you'll never be worthy of. And he says to receive this gift, all you got to do is ask for it. Oh, but you know, you got to know the kind of gift it is. So actually, let's, let's go to are you worthy of the gift? You think you're going to earn this thing, lady? Let's, let's go here next. And he goes to a super uncomfortable place. <laughs> Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. We're going to come back to that. But I want to get through the rest of this conversation so we can look ahead as well. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And maybe this is a dodge. Maybe she's uncomfortable, so she tries to change the subject. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place to worship where people ought to go. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. There's the gift he was just talking about, right? In spirit and in Truth. What truth did he mention earlier? You've got to know the gift and who I am. The spirit and the truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so the spirit we worship in is the, is the gift that he's given us, this spirit of the living God that we can't earn, we can't buy. And, and then the truth that we worship in is the truth of who he is, but first we've got to go to the truth of who we are, and that's where he, he goes with the woman. See, I think sometimes so, so many of us are familiar with this passage, we forget how uncomfortable this can be, right? This is super awkward. He's diving right into this super vulner, vulnerable place in her, and so I want to show us a clip that might give us a fresh eyes into just how awkward this conversation was. This is a clip from The Chosen, which is a, a multi-season TV show about the life of Jesus and the followers that he called. How many people have seen The Chosen? It's a a crowd-funded show um, made outside of the Hollywood studios. I would encourage, if you haven't checked it out, 
to check it out because it's a, it's a show that when you watch it, you will, um, be, uh, you will be drawn to seek God in his word more. You will be encouraged in your faith. So I don't know what you're binge watching, but that's, that's way up there from anything else on Netflix, right? And, and so we have permission to show this clip because I'm pointing you to what this show is and there's a, um, you can see on your screen and then uh, for those online, there will be the, the link to download the app and you can watch this show for free. But we're gonna look at this scene of Jesus talking with the woman at the well and we're gonna pick it up right at this line where he says, go find your husband and dives into this vulnerable place. Let's watch. Do you see the uncomfortable place that Jesus leads her to? See, sometimes we're not a people who are willing to go to uncomfortable places for Jesus because we don't go to uncomfortable places with Jesus. And he takes her into this place, and I think a lot of us, when we read this, we assume, if you've heard messages about this before, we we assume one thing about this woman. She's had five husbands, and now she's, she must have divorced all those husbands. Maybe committed adultery, and now she's living with somebody, sleeping with somebody who's not her husband. And we look at this place, this area for her is an area of sin and shame, and that's possible. But you know, I, I was reading another commentary this week, that, and I never thought about this before, that this might not be a place of sin and shame for her. The Bible doesn't tell us, but maybe all of these husbands are legitimate husbands, and every single one has died. Can you imagine the pain? I mean, she, she must have experienced. And in that culture, if your husband died, if he had a brother, that brother was supposed to take care of you, marry you if he didn't have a wife and, and take care of you. And so maybe this one she's living right now, Jesus isn't referring, maybe is not referring to a sexual relationship, but just that she's being taken care of under this man's roof and there's plenty of family around that's keeping him honest. So this, this place might not be a place of shame, but rather a place of pain in her life. Here's the thing, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But it's really super important that we don't get these two things confused. Shame and pain are not the same thing. Listen to me. A a sin and a wound are not the same thing. Do you know that? Because we get that confused sometimes in our lives and others' lives and that gets really painful because listen, if you, if you have a wound in your life or a wound in somebody else's life that you're talking to and you name that a sin, you say, oh, I know you've been hurt, but that's a result of your choices. That's a result of your fault. All of a sudden, you're bringing more pain and more trauma and more hurt on you or someone else who's already been hurt. So it doesn't help at all to, to, call, a, to call a wound a sin. And it doesn't help to do the opposite either, to call a sin a wound. See, sometimes there's people that we enter into or in our lives and we give them a pass and say, I know you're going through a really tough time. And the reason they're going through a tough time is because they're in rebellion against the living God. And we just sympathize and say, you know what, I know you've been hurt like and anybody would have made that choice. And we give them this pass that, that just short circuits the holy process of repentance that God would be leading them through. So in our lives and the lives of others, let's be super clear about what's a wound and what's a sin. Let's bring that to Jesus and allow him to figure that out together. And so in this woman's life, let's not assume it's a sin And let's not assume it's a wound because honestly, the Bible doesn't tell us and the point isn't for us to know. Do you know what the point is? The point is that Jesus knows. See, she comes to him and and say it's a place of pain. Say this is a place of tragedy. This is a place that she, she has just experienced such terrible tragedy in her life. 
And maybe she's held that place and looked at God and said, God, how could you possibly be with me through this? How could you possibly let me go through this? Because if you were a loving God, if you were a good God, I never would have experienced this pain. Where were you, God? And, and it can be that pain in our lives and in her life that makes, that makes us say, well, God's never done anything for me because if, if he did, I, I wouldn't have this. And Jesus comes to that place and says something maybe she's longed to hear her entire life. He says, I already know. I already know. I already know the the pain, the deep pain you've experienced in your life. I know it all. And just because you think God was absent there, he wasn't. I was with you through everything. And the heart of God towards you is not shown in the tragedy you experienced. The heart of God is shown in me coming to you right now, that God is pursuing you. And and maybe this was a place of, of shame for her. Maybe it was. And she, she thought what she had done was just too bad, just too off, just so dark that that's why everybody was leaving her and leaving her an outcast. And she was going to just face betrayal and rejection the rest of her life because she has made such bad choices. Who would choose to pursue her? And Jesus comes right into that, the middle of that shame and he says, maybe what she's most afraid of hearing, I already know. Like, let's be honest, in our shame, isn't that, isn't that the thing we're most scared of hearing? Somebody coming up to us and saying, I know it. Whatever you've kept secret, your darkest sin, every time you acted unworthy of a relationship with God, I know it all. Isn't, isn't that something that just drives us to fear? I remember growing up in the child of the 80s, and, you know, the way you'd talk to people about Jesus back then. I didn't because I was like, you know, eight or nine, but in the 80s, you handed them tracks, right? And there were these tracks. They were like little comic books, and in like 16 pages, people would come to meet Jesus, or they were supposed to, right? And I remember this one track, though, that I read, and it was about this guy who died, and he went to heaven, and the angel is there with him, or maybe not heaven, but the, the afterlife or something, and he's there with the angel and all these people around, and this movie starts right on this huge projection screen, and it shows everything he's ever done, all the worst things, every sin up there, and the angel turns to him and says, this was your life. And I read that at like nine years old, and I remember just the fear that induced to me in me. Can you imagine somebody seeing everything I had ever done? Nine years old. Nine years old. Do you know how boring that movie would have been? There were no, there were no exciting sins when I was nine years old. I was just these boring, mundane things, and yet we're so filled with shame. Whatever it is, how about, how about now? What would the film look like now? You afraid of anybody seeing it? Jesus comes to this woman and he says, I don't need a film. I don't need to watch this with you. I already know. I already know it all. And he says, listen, what he's going to show her is that the heart of God toward her It's not the rejection she's experienced. It's not the shame that she's feeling. The heart of God is not just that Jesus knows all this. That's not the point. But the point is that he pursues her anyway, even in this. Because I think that's why Jesus allows the conversation to go where it does. Where she talks about this, this mountain that she needs to go to. And she says, you get to God 
on this mountain. My people say to go to God on this mountain. How am I supposed to get to God? And Jesus comes to her and says, it's not about mountains anymore. It's about spirit and truth. It's about knowing the truth of who you are, which I've just shown you in all your pain and all your shame. And it's about the truth of who I am, a God who pursues you anyway. Because look at what he, he says worship is about. He says that worship, he says that worship is not about a mountain. It's not about a place. He says that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And he says that worship is not about where. It's not about how. That worship is about who. Worship is about the Father. It's really interesting. If you go back and read the conversation later today or later this week, she talks about fathers all the time. She talks about Father Jacob who built this well and my fathers who say to worship on this mountain. He says, don't worry about those fathers. Worry about the Father. Because worship is about who. And here's the truth that she needs to know. Not just the gift that he has to offer, but the, the truth of who he is. That's where he goes. Next, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. You've found the one. You found the one that worship matters about. You found the stranger who knows all about you but knows how to meet your needs. I am the Savior that you need. This is worship in spirit and in truth. And we're going to take the opportunity now to worship him in spirit and in truth through communion. Because Jesus gave us this symbol to remind us of who he is and what he's done for us. That we needed a Savior that we were broken and we were lost in our shame and our pain that was dividing us from, from God. And Jesus entered into that uncomfortable place himself and provided the sacrifice and experienced pain that we will never know to, to bring us back to himself. And then he gave us communion. He gives us this symbol and he says, worship me in this way as often as you do it. It's not about how. It's not about where. It's not about when, however often you do it. Remember me. It's about who. It's about who. And so when you came in this morning, you probably grabbed a little cup. If you didn't raise your hand, and there will be someone around to to bring you the communion elements. But I want to invite us to a moment first before we enter communion, and that's a moment of examination. See, we can each one of us have these areas of shame, and pain in our lives that separate us from who God is, separate us from the heart of God because we hold on to the lies that they tell us. We hold on to the lie that our pain tells us that if that happened to me, then God is not for me. And Jesus enters right into that place and say, I'm for, says, I'm for you. Do you see? And, and we have those areas uh, of shame and we think based on what I've done, nobody would come for me. We don't have a God who pursues us. And Jesus steps right into that uncomfortable place, right into that dark place in our lives and says, I've pursued you anyway. This is the heart of God towards you. And so I want to invite us for a moment to just sit quietly and and, and come before Jesus with any, any place of pain in our lives that we haven't brought to him, any place of shame in our lives 
that has kept us from experiencing his love and bring that to his feet and meet him there and say, Jesus, I see your heart for me now. So let's just sit for a moment there and then we're going to worship our God before going into communion. So Jesus gave us this symbol to remember who? To remember him. And as we prepare to take the bread, this is to remind us of his body that was broken for us, no matter what pain we've experienced in our lives. He is a Savior who has pursued us and experienced brokenness that we will never know. His broken body to bring us back to himself. Let us take this with an awareness of what it means. He also gave us the wine, juice, to remind us of his blood. To remind us of the penalty that he paid for us and all of our wrongdoing and all of our shame. For every way that we have acted that has disqualified us from a relationship with the living God, he took all of that punishment on himself. And his blood was spilled for that penalty. Let's take this with an awareness of what it means. Jesus, we praise your name. We can't stop praising you because of the love that you proved for us. Of the way you've rescued us. Out of our lives of brokenness and separation from you, we thank you for being willing to get uncomfortable, to pursue us. We thank you for drawing us out of a dead-end life, of pursuing our own interests, of living for ourselves, and that you brought us back to the life we were made for, that you invite us back to a life pursuing you. Jesus, we thank you for your heart for us. God, give us an awareness of the deep love that you must have for us. No matter what our lives have looked like before now, no matter what our lives look like today, give us an awareness of the deep love that you proved by going to the cross and the abundant life that you invite us into as you rose again. God, may you fill us with a joy that overflows to those around us as we respond to your love. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we've got to go one more place. After she has an awareness of what spirit and truth are, what this gift is, and of who Jesus is, what happens? It's kind of like, remember the drive through the drive through we're in this place where we've just been given this gift and we, I was planning to pay for this thing. I was planning to try to do this on my own, but I've been given this gift and I can't even thank that person for it. 
And, and what happens after that moment of un- discomfort? You know what we do? We, we say, well, that's okay. We'll, we'll pay for the person behind us. And we'll let them know they're paid for too. And it's not really us paying for them. They've already been paid for. But we turn right around and we pass it on. We pass it forward. And that happens so quickly in the drive through And a lot of times we feel like it's got to be this long journey in our lives. This long journey from the shame and the pain that we've been through for Jesus to take us and equip us and form us into this place where we're ready to be used by God. And God, Jesus says, you know what? That process sometimes is not very long at all. That process is just a moment. That's what it was for this woman. It was just a moment. Look, then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. The instant Right out of her place of pain or shame that Jesus met her, how awkward and uncomfortable that was when she realizes who he really is and what this gift really is. Do you know what she did? She just goes out and tells other people about him. It happens that quick. Let's, let's look at how it might have happened. <laughs> Do you know where she's running? <laughs> she's running back as fast as she can into a really uncomfortable place. She's running back to those people who have rejected her, those people who she wasn't comfortable around at the beginning of this conversation. And the moment after she meets Jesus in this place of pain and shame in her life, she is ready to go back and charge into uncomfortable places and follow him there. That's what happens when we get a glimpse of the gift that God has given us and who it is that is speaking to us. Do you know who's speaking to you today? It's Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He came for all of us, and he came just for you. Just for you. And and some people talk about Sunday mornings not as a cap to the week, but as a launch pad into your week. And so how are we going to launch into our week? You know, I think about Jesus and when he talked to his disciples and he was ready to ascend into heaven, he launched them into the rest of their lives and he said this. He said, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses into Judea and the ends of the earth, right? No, he didn't say that. He said, you're going to be my witnesses into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're going to be my witnesses where you are. You're going to be my my witnesses at the ends of the earth, but you're going to be my witnesses to Samaria, to those uncomfortable places that you go around right now. I'm going to take you right through them so that you can be a witness for me, so that others know that the way I've met you in your pain and your shame, I've come to meet them too. And so that's how we launch out today as witnesses to the goodness of our God who has pursued us and by his grace he uses us to pursue others. Will you join the pursuit today? Let's be people who go to uncomfortable places. Stand to your feet and let's praise his name. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. 
Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.